Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. Uh, today, we're going to be recapping Thursday Night Football, where the Colts took down the Tennessee Titans. We're going to give a little bit of a live update. That's what's going on in the Masters down in Augusta, Georgia, as well as then giving you a little bit of a boxing preview of a very uh, interesting title fight that will be happening tomorrow night uh, with Terrence Crawford getting back into the ring, who is unbeaten, trying to defend his belt. And then lastly, as always, I will give you my lock-it-in picks. Again, I went 6-0 last week, so listen carefully. I'm going to make you guys some money this weekend again as well. So let's just give you a little bit of a recap that is going on. Uh, through Thursday Night Football, as I just mentioned, the Indianapolis Colts took down the Tennessee Titans 34-17 last night. Real interesting game by how it looked like the Colts matched the Tennessee Titans' identity and just stole it from them in different ways. Under Mike Vrabel, you think they're going to be a ground-and-pound team uh, that relies on their defense and wins in the special teams game for the Tennessee Titans. But it was the Indianapolis Colts who were the ones pounding the rocks, uh, running the ball down the Tennessee Titans' throat, making those critical plays on special teams with a uh, block punt touchdown as well as forcing a shanked punt that ended up pretty much being a significant difference in the game. Phillip Rivers did not make those mistakes that he had been making earlier in the year. He went 29 of 39, 308 yards and a score. Naheem Hines had 12 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for the Titans, Derrick Henry had just over 100 yards on 19 carries in defeat, uh, as well as Ryan Tannehill was uh, very mediocre last night, 15 of 27 for 147 yards. I uh, ended up getting that Thursday night football pick wrong. I ended up thinking that the Tennessee Titans uh, were going to win this game uh, relatively well, but I was very uh, surprised by how discombobulated they looked in the second half, uh, beating shutouts uh, in the second half, unable to score a point, while the Indianapolis Colts scored three touchdowns to pretty much put this game on ice. Um, other than that, it was more just a sense of just trying to figure out who are the Tennessee Titans at the moment. Start opening the season up 5-0. and They are now 1-3 in their last four games. And the only team that they beat was last week was the Chicago Bears. And at this point, anybody can stop the Chicago Bears uh, offense because they just aren't able to score enough points to give their defense a chance and get off the field. Um, but for the Colts, it was relatively a big statement that they were trying to make, especially after getting uh, more taking a beat down last week against Baltimore, getting physically outplayed, outmatched at the line of scrimmage, where they pride themselves at the line of scrimmage. They have one of the better offensive lines in football, uh, and they just were absolutely taken down by Baltimore. And they had relatively struggled. Yes, they had been uh, coming off of a two-game win streak before that, but they had barely squeaked by against Cincinnati. Then they played Detroit. They hadn't really beaten a quality opponent, really, uh, all season so this was a huge statement uh, by the Indianapolis Colts that they have a legitimate chance to take down this division and end up being the ones on top so now they're both six and three I think the only issue now for them is that their schedule for Indianapolis is a lot more difficult 
than what Tennessee has remaining. Let's just take a look. You have Green Bay next week. Uh, then you have Tennessee again. Uh, then you have you also have the Raiders and the Steelers still on your schedule. So you're gonna lo- we're gonna learn a lot about Indy as well as just the composure that Philip Rivers has. Many of us thought, especially early on in the year, that they made it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. They needed to make a change at the quarterback position in order for them to be successful. Potentially making a trade after, especially how well he had struggled. So, definitely a unique component here that we have to try and understand of how the Indianapolis Colts are trying to evolve and find their identity. And I think Tennessee has lost their identity at this point. They have become a more of a team that has lost that identity they had Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry were both playing at MVP caliber level earlier on early on in the season and they've kind of lost that as well for the Titans their schedule is a little bit more open for them they still have the Packers as well they've got the Browns and then they have Baltimore so it's definitely going to be a little bit of a identity check for both these teams to see how each team's going to unfold don't be surprised if both teams struggle uh, in this game uh, that's coming back up. They're going to play each other in about two and a half weeks. Uh, again, this time in Indianapolis to figure out who's going to be the leader and the, uh, potentially come out on top in the AFC South. So let's just transition now to the Masters on CBS. Uh, that's what I used. To, that's what my a couple of my buddies like to say. The Masters on CBS and that little their little golf voice. Um, so we're going to give you a little bit of a live update of what's going on. Uh, after round one concluded this morning due to a uh, weather delay yesterday of three hours, uh, most of the afternoon groups were unable to finish. But after round one, you had a three-way tie at the top between England's Paul Casey, uh, United States' Dustin Johnson, as well as South Africa's Dylan Fratelli. All three shot 765. With um, with a rather interesting storyline was that Tiger Woods shot a four under sixty eight. He was four under through ten holes. Ever after, from I was what when I was seeing was that a man that was locked in. He was not ready to yield that green jacket. He has a very good opportunity to potentially have a chance to win this week. When I thought a top twenty five uh, finish would be a very successful week for him, and he's thrown himself right into the mix already through day one. That was tied his best round at a sixty eight. For a first round ever at Augusta National. So he put himself right in the mix. He was locked in. Unfortunately on his second night of the day. He couldn't really make any putts. After being 4 under through 10 holes. But he gave himself all the opportunities. He left himself in the right spots. And in his interview. He noted that it's just him. When he shows up to Augusta. It's just different. He knows how to play the golf course. It's like basically the only major that plays the same. That plays the same venue. Year after year. Because uh, the U.S. Open, uh, Open Championship, and PGA, they rotate through venues. So you're going to have a different course every four or five. Uh, and they don't come back for, for years on, five to six years at least. So this is a very interesting storyline. Tiger knows how to play the course. He's right there. But let's just give you a live update right now. Round two is underway at the moment. At where we're rec- uh, recording today at the moment, we have Dustin Johnson. He is already one under through seven, so he is your outright leader at eight under. With a Justin Thomas tied for second, 
uh, at seven uh, with Sung J M of South Korea and Paul Casey at seven under. Again, Paul Casey was in the morning group. He's not going to tee off till uh, two twenty nine Eastern, as well as some other big names that played well. So far, uh, Phil Mickelson opened up with at a three under sixty nine. He is now one under through eight. He's at four under par. But let's just uh, give you a little bit of a recap of my three picks. Remember on Tuesday, I said Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, and Louis Oosthuizen. All three, uh, John Rahm and uh, Louis Oosthuizen actually both played together. So that actually helped me out a little bit. And Xander also played extremely well. Shoffley shot at 5 under uh, 67. Yesterday, he won't be teeing off until uh, 229 Eastern. Uh, as, and as well as John Rahm shot a three under 69 and Louis Eustace shot a four under 68. So all three of my picks are really in contention here. They will be in the afternoon slots, all three of them, as they were the morning group uh, yesterday. So they will probably most likely, uh, uh, actually, I'm going to, uh, they're not going to finish their rounds today. They'll have to get up early tomorrow to finish their second rounds. Uh, they'll probably be around their 11th or 12th hole relatively based off when their tee time is, uh, when they'll be finishing. So Hopefully, uh, and as well as a Tiger Woods supporter for all your Tiger Woods fans, you're going to be hoping that he gets, he's starting on one today, he started on the uh, 10 yesterday, you want him to hopefully be through the 11th hole uh, but when his round is over, so he's already through the 11th, maybe if you get lucky he can get through 12th, and then he has the par 5 13th to start his day, which would be a very good uh omen for him to start his second round with 13 then you have 14 then you have the par 5 15th so he has a very good chance if he's able to get through 10 or 11 holes uh hopefully 11 or 12 holes 10 11 or 12 holes today your goal is to get him through 11 let him get through the difficult uh, par 4 and then he's got the part the short part through 12 to start his round tomorrow uh continue his finish his round excuse me tomorrow um so, all in all, this is a great storyline. I think all three of my picks are right in the mix. If I'm still going to pick one, I'm going to stick with Xander as my top and then leave uh, John Rahm and Louis second and third, respectively, how I laid it out on Tuesday. Um, but Dustin Johnson, he finished, uh, I think he was runner-up last week in Houston. So, do not be surprised if he's going to have a chance. He was the runner-up last year to Tiger, finished second. So, and he looks great so far, especially after testing positive to COVID uh, three or four weeks back. So, positive signs from Dustin Johnson. I love the three picks. But the real, another storyline is John Augustine, the amateur. He is at minus six, only two back so far. Real storyline here is that a, a potential amateur having a chance on uh, into going into the weekend, which would be a real great story uh, for all you college uh, golfers out there. But let's now, um, now we're going to transition to um, the boxing bout that's going to be taking place this weekend. Hold on, I just got to pull it up. Uh, excuse me. But also, again, just to reiterate, you have Terrence Crawford uh, taking, the, taking the stage uh, tomorrow night. He's taking on Kel Brock. Uh, who's from the other side of the pond uh, for the WBO welterweight title. It'll be on ESPN tomorrow night. Remember, it's going to be 12 rounds. Uh, Kel Brock, he was the form, former uh, 
welterweight champion and and since has uh, taken two losses, he actually tried to jump up a couple divisions to fight uh, Triple G, who ended up uh, taking him down, and then he ended up fighting again against another strong welterweight opponent that he ended up losing to. He was a rising star. So he, but all in all, I have to think here, Terrence Crawford has a great jab. He's a very methodical fighter. In his last fight, he did take some punches, which was a little alarming to, for everyone to see that um, he looked a little bit more human than we usually had seen him. But still, uh, just taking a glimpse here of what I think, I think Crawford's going to be dominant. I think he's going to be methodical. Brock does have a quality jab as well. But I think it's just going to be too much for him. He hasn't really been able to showcase his, his ability since his being the welterweight champ uh, before Crawford ended up taking the belt. So, very unique component. He's usually, Brock is known as a bigger welterweight, uh, as many people have thought, uh, as many people have said. So, it's going to be a unique component of a bigger fighter down at weight. He said he's going to make weight no problem from what I've heard, but especially in this interview on First Take on ESPN. He's going to make weight. It's going to be a very interesting fight. But if I had to suggest, I'd take uh, Crawford here. In a, I'm going to like Crawford in a decision. I don't. I think you're going to see the best Terrence Crawford, a very methodical Terrence Crawford. I don't think in those later rounds, Brock will be able to uh, withstand the blows. But I also thought uh, Lomachenko was going to beat Lopez, and Lopez was a uh, very dominant fight uh, in Lopez's favor over Lomachenko. But... Arguably, you have the pound-for-pound be pound best fighter in Crawford, and you're going to see the very best of him. He's going to rise to the challenge, I think, after kind of almost like laying an egg and having to rally in his last fight. So take take note there in the little boxing preview. Crawford versus Crawford to, uh, is tomorrow night, and I expect big things as he's going to be taking on Kel Brock, Terrence Crawford, uh, in a decision. So lastly, let's just go into our little final segment, a little bit of a shorter episode today. Uh, but we're going to go into our lock it in picks. Remember, I went 6-0 last week. So right now, I went 4-2, and 2-4, 6-0. So if uh, things are on my side, I won't be having a bad week this week <laughs> like I did in week two. But still, overall, we're doing very well. That puts me at 12-6 and six on the year. Uh, through these uh, Friday editions of these of my lock it in segment, but let's lock it in. Here we go. Starting off with college football, I've got some surprise picks here. I'm going to take a two two uh, top twenty teams that are actually getting points on that are road dogs. So first, you have Miami plus two. I would love Miami here outright, number nineteen in the country. Yes, they did struggle last week against NC State, having to rally. But De'Aaron King is an absolute stud. And it is at in Virginia Tech at Blacksburg. Virginia Tech, uh, they made me look good last week too after I told you guys to take Liberty, who are now uh, who's a, who was a top 25 team, now still a top 25 team in the country, upsetting Virginia Tech. And that was just a weird ending, if you don't remember. Uh, Virginia Tech ended up blocking a kick, returning it for a score, but the, that was null and voided due to Coach uh, Coach Justin Fuente taking a timeout there 
and then Liberty ended up going for it on that fourth down instead of kicking a 59-yard field goal, getting the first down, then kicking a 50-yarder and ended up winning the game over uh, Virginia Tech. But I just don't, I can't buy into Virginia Tech's defense. That defense is not as vaunted as it used to be, especially when it was under Frank Beamer as, as head coach. So I love Miami Hurricanes. They have a great chance to still have an opportunity to play for the ACC championship with their only loss being to Clemson. So they need to win out to have a legitimate shot at the ACC championship. So I'm going to take Miami here plus two. I love, if I were here, you here, take them outright to win because I think Miami will end up handling business. Another game that was really interesting to me was SMU getting two and a half. Uh, who are they playing again? I know they're playing, um, they're on the road. They're playing Tulsa, excuse me, sorry. They're playing a Tulsa team that I, I just don't know if they played enough games for me to be, to be confident in them. You, S, uh, SMU is 7-1 and one at the moment, while Tulsa is 3-1. and one. Tulsa just keeps getting derailed by the whole uh, COVID-19 with games being canceled or postponed and whatnot. So, and then in their last game, I wasn't really overly impressed. They should have lost that game to East Carolina. So, but a couple of calls went their way that the AAC ended up admitting that they got wrong. So, I like I love Shane Bouchelle too. The the transfer from Texas, he's absolutely lit it up while he's been the SMU starter. I think this is a great opportunity for SMU too, especially after being uh, humiliated by Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. This is a true statement game for them to try and give them an, an opportunity to potentially sneak back into the AAC championship conversation. So I love the SMU Mustangs plus two and a half again here. Another road dog. Take them. Take them to out win outright. I think the Mustangs will be able to handle business. I'm just I'm not sold on Tulsa as well as uh, Zach Smith, the Baylor transfer, who's been the Tulsa starter for the past couple seasons. He just he's just too inconsistent for me. He's got all the arm talent in the world, but he can't get that accuracy in full uh, focused enough for me to believe in them. So again, I got Miami plus two, SMU plus two and a half. I'm gonna stay in the American Conference here as well. I love Houston minus thirteen and a half. Uh, they are playing South Florida, and they're playing. Uh, this is two thirteen and a half. You can't tell me that Houston can't beat South Florida by two touchdowns at the moment. I mean, yes, Houston did lose last week, uh, relatively easily, but still, you're playing. Hands down, arguably the one of the worst teams in uh, in college football in South Florida. They just, I, they just can't get themselves together. Their only win is against the Citadel, and that was just a wash of a game. And they didn't even look impressive in that victory against the Citadel. So I, lo I like Houston here. Yes, they did lose last week, but their offense is high flying. I like their quarterback. They also have a stud on the outside of Marquez Stevenson. If you watch him this weekend, because he's going to put up huge numbers against this South Florida defense. Um, so I'm not surprised here. Yes, uh, it's been a struggle. They lost by 28 points last week to Cincinnati, number six Cincinnati, but this will be a wake up call for them. They need to get back into gear here for the Houston Cougars, especially they didn't get the play. They had a lot of a later start. They've only they're two and three at the moment, but they also had the later start because they had like three or four cancellations to start their year due to COVID, and they're still trying to figure things out for them. They're on a two-game losing streak, but I think they're going to handle business uh, to uh, rally here and win by 
easily two scores. And uh, the point differential from uh, USF, they're only scoring 20 points a game and they're giving up 35. So right there alone, you're already on two. That's over a 14-point margin. So take the Houston Cougars. So those are my three college football picks. I like Miami plus two, SMU plus two and a half, and Houston minus 13 and a half. So for the Miami and SMU, I'd actually take them to win outright because those are better odds for you as their underdogs on the road. And then take Houston on the spread. I would parlay those three most likely together. So let's transition now to the NFL. We have Tampa Bay minus 5.5 versus Carolina. Yes, the Tampa Bay Bucks were absolutely humiliated last week against New Orleans. We mentioned it on Tuesday, getting absolutely slammed. But I think this is a huge comeback game that the Tampa Bay Bucks need to show, that they are still able to bounce back. And Tom Brady's teams are always known to come out the next week after a loss with some true purpose and have that winning mentality and come out victorious. They're playing a Carolina team that is extremely inconsistent on my part. Yes, they were very competitive last week against Kansas City. But I, I just don't know. Christian McCaffrey supposedly is doubtful for Sunday. So if McCaffrey can't play, five and a half is a lock, in my opinion. Take the Tampa Bay Bucks. Brady will have a good day. Carolina's defense is very suspect. And you might see some, you're going to see the Tampa Bay Bucks offense finally start clicking with all, all these pieces playing at the same time with Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and so forth, and Gronk. You'll see a very dominant Tampa Bay team, I think, this week, if uh, especially with McCaffrey unlikely to play. So secondly, we're going to go with Buffalo plus 2.5 versus Arizona. Again, another small spread enough at that point. You want to, I would take them to win outright. Uh, they're playing Arizona. Arizona was a little bit alarming to me this past week. Uh, losing to Miami, they showed a lot of, they showed that their defense is a little bit more suspect than I had actually realized. So, losing to Miami. And Cliff Kingsbury keeps making some questionable calls. They ended up trying to kick a field goal late in the game, like on a second down when they could have tried to win the game. Uh, Kyler Murray ended up going to his coach and said, you're going to leave next time, we'll give, leave the ball in my hands, and we'll end up trying to win the game. But I think Kingsbury, he's they're a work in progress, Arizona. They're not this year. They're one year away, in my opinion. And Buffalo has showcased, especially after beating Seattle last week, that they're a team that's, a legitimate contender in the AFC to potentially take down the Kansas City Chiefs. So I like Buffalo here, plus two and a half. Josh Allen will have a huge day, especially with Arizona's suspect defense. I think he's going to put up big numbers. Uh, so watch out for them. Watch out for a big day from Stephon Diggs. He's going to probably be matched up with Patrick Peterson all day long. Patrick Peterson has not looked as solid as we had hoped this year. So Buffalo there, plus two and a half. Uh, my last pick for the NFL, I have Philadelphia Eagles minus 3.5 at the New York Giants. Uh, yes, their last meeting was a little bit of a weird game. But I think uh, Philadelphia is coming off of a bye. The Giants are coming off of a victory against Washington where they easily should have lost. But Washington turned the ball over four times. And that was the difference of the game. If you don't turn the ball over four times, you win. For Washington, anyway, they only lost by one score, so I think I like the Eagles here. Carson Wentz is gonna have to, it's gonna, from he'll have a decent day, especially against this Giants defense. I just don't believe in the New York, and they're still trying to figure out who they are. Yes, they'll play hard, and this game will be competitive, but minus three and a half for the Eagles, I'd take the Eagles in a heartbeat there. 
Um, Carson Wentz will be solid. Uh, watch out for Boston Scott out of the backfield. He reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles when he was there in Philadelphia. So, and then you'll have we'll just have to see. Philadelphia is still depleted on the offensive side of the ball, but I think Philadelphia knows that this is their this is their chance to start rallying off some wins and taking this division uh, by the throat and taking uh, taking a substantial lead here in the division. So. Eagles minus three and a half. Carson Wentz, you need to show up. Daniel Jones will turn the ball over. He somehow he didn't turn the ball over last week, so that was a miracle in itself. Uh, but still, so here we go. NFL. I got Tampa Bay minus five and a half over Carolina. Buffalo plus two and a half versus Arizona, and then Philadelphia minus three and a half versus New York Giants. So those are so lock those picks in. Ready? Because I'm gonna get you six and zero oh for a second consecutive week if you're paying attention. Remember, my lock-it-in picks were Miami plus two. I would take Miami outright if you want those better odds against Virginia Tech. Then you have SMU plus two and a half versus Tulsa. Again, another road uh, top 20 team that's a road dog. Take SMU to win outright there. Then you have Houston minus 13 and a half against an abysmal South Florida team. That spread will probably skyrocket once people realize that it's that low at the moment. Then you have in the NFL, Tampa Bay minus 5.5 versus Carolina. That spread will go up, especially when Christian McCaffrey is officially ruled out. It's highly unlikely he will play. I think if Christian does play, still take Tampa Bay minus 5.5. They're going to put a statement and use Carolina as a boxing bag, I think, after being abysmally embarrassed by the New Orleans Saints last week. Buffalo plus 2.5. Again, another road dog. Take them to win outright at a plus two and a half spread against Arizona. Arizona showed some vulnerability, especially on the defense side of the ball. That's a little alarming to me. Um, so take Buffalo there. Buffalo is also known to creating a lot of turnovers and getting short fields to their offense. So like them there. Then you have Philadelphia minus three and a half on the road at New York. New York is just not a good football team, and they've they're both wins against the Washington football team. So that that's in and in itself. So take the Eagles there, minus three and a half. But you might see, interesting enough in that Eagles game, you might see a package of Jalen Hurts, especially if Carson struggles early. But there you go. Those are my uh, segments for today. Remember, my Masters picks are right there. Tune in uh, to watch the Masters. I'll give you a recap of that on Tuesday of who the champion was and how my picks did. I'll recap my lock it in picks early on. Again, Terrence Crawford. Fight this Saturday, take him to win by decision. I don't think he's going to end up getting a knockout there. And then again, my lock it in, lock it in segment. We're going to get you some money this weekend. All right, everyone, enjoy your weekend. Happy Friday. This was another edition of Final Whistle by yours truly, Blaine Spencer. Have a great day.